Well, Ray, as you say, yes, an intensive investigation under underway tonight, based here at Bray Garda Station, a major search underway for this young woman. Justine Valdez is 24 years of age. She's an only child. She's originally from the Philippines. She only came to the country three years ago. She's a student in the IT in Carlo. She's studying accountancy. She also had a part-time job in Bray. She was on a bus and came back home to Enniskerry yesterday, late yesterday afternoon. She got off the bus and she walked the route to her home, the short distance to her home along the Kilcrony Road, as she does every time. She walked along that road and what appears to have happened is that a Nissan Qashqai car pulled up with one person in it as she was attacked, abducted, bundled into the car and she hasn't been seen since. We're asking the public for their support in trying to locate this young girl. She's, as I say, 24-year-old Filipino. Um, she, it's highly unusual for her not to be in contact with her mother. She's in regular contact with her mother via Facebook uh, all the time and that contact has stopped. So we're very extremely concerned uh, for her welfare and her safety. Welcome to Incriminated. On the 19th of May 2018, 24-year-old Justine Valdez was on her way home from a supermarket in Enniskerry, County Wicklow, Ireland, only to be later reported missing. Justine was living with her parents at the time, who had immigrated to Ireland from the Philippines over 20 years ago to start their new life. Justine did not immediately join them, and it was always hoped that one day she would settle in Ireland to live with them, and she did in the year 2015. Before moving back to Ireland since then, Justine was living with her grandparents in the Philippines, while her parents were busy working hard in Ireland to build a new life for her, and until it was time for her to move back when she was older. Justine was delighted to have finally been able to move fully back into Ireland and to be reunited with her family. Justine's parents wanted to give their only child the best head start in life. They were all a very close-knit family and had great love and never-ending support for their daughter. Justine was a very determined and motivated young woman and soon after emigrating, she began her college education to study finance and accounting in Carlo IT. She also worked part-time as a healthcare assistant and was a waitress in a local cafe restaurant in Bray. This was so she could make as much money as possible to provide for herself and the family. 
On May the 19th, 2018, Justine had arranged an appointment with the Gardaí at 2pm to see if she could renew her Irish residency permit at the Bregarda station. She then went for a workout session in Ben Dunn's gym at Cherrywood Business Park after this appointment. There was never a moment where Justine was not in contact with her parents and that day had been no different. She had exchanged approximately 63 messages with her mother all through the day. The last known contact Justine made to her mother was at 4.20pm through the Facebook Messenger app where the conversation was said to be very general and there was joking going on as well. Her mother also asked her to buy some bread on the way home from running her errands. Justine was on her way to get the bus home from the town of Bray at 5.40pm. She bought the bread from the Super Value shop. She also came across her best friend's mother and chatted for a bit. She then parted ways with her and then got on the number 185 bus. The bus did not arrive until it was after 6pm in Enniskerry village, running only a few minutes late. If you live in Ireland, you would know that this is the norm for bus services here and they can be unreliable to be on time. But anyhow, she hopped off the bus and began to walk the rest of the journey back home. The walk from the bus stop to her house would normally take around 15 to 20 minutes. However, that day, Justine never made it home. As Justine was always messaging her mother throughout the day, her mother was immediately worried when Justine didn't arrive home at all. This was very unusual behaviour for her. Her mother knew her daughter very well. If Justine's plans have changed, she would have let her mother know by now, but no message came through to her mobile phone. Teresita, her mother, was beginning to look for ways to get help and begin to figure out where Justine had gone. Justine was described to be just five foot tall. The 24-year-old was very pretty. She was slim, petite, with long dark hair and stunning brown eyes. That day, she was wearing just her gym clothes with grey leggings, white t-shirt, trainers and a dark jacket. So where exactly was Justine and what had happened to her after getting off the bus in the village and walking back home? Let's find out who will be incriminated for this. It was 6.10pm, just a few minutes after Justine stepped off the bus and multiple people saw her get off at her destination. Also at this time, the Angardishia corner received a curious phone call. A woman, called Susan, was driving in her car with her young son in the area between the Powys Court estate and Ennis Kerry. When she saw a strange-looking man in a dark Nissan Qashqai jeep, struggling with a young girl to put into the boot of his car. She said, I saw a car had stopped on the road with no lights and no indicators. She said, as she was passing the jeep, she noticed that the door of the boot was open, quote, I heard shouting. She was sitting at the edge of the boot looking out at me. I saw an Asian face with dark hair. The shouting turned to screaming, she said. I heard a deep male voice shouting angrily. I began to feel there was something very wrong, she said. So then she pulled over and called the guards. 
Around 6.20pm later on, a man, Gareth, who was also driving in the area, saw a woman in the back of the very same Nissan Jeep banging on the window. He wasn't too sure was she pleading for help or waving hello to him. At the time, he thought she was just a child. Something did not feel right about the situation in his mind and after he sat down and talked about this with his wife when he later got home, he reported it to the Gardaí as well. His report was not made until around 7.22pm. Also at this stage, Justine's parents were also inquiring urgently to the Gardaí to report her missing. There was a genuine concern on how quickly and how seriously Gardaí took these reports at first. Here is Dr Kira Kelly from News Talk Ireland on how she saw domestic abuse reports being treated in Ireland. She was seen by a passing motorist. She was being punched in the head, it was reported. She was being assaulted and then she was seen forced into a car. And I can't help but wonder this. If that had been a child that someone had seen those things happening to, would that sighting have been treated differently? Why is violence against women seen as subtly different somehow? The same crimes largely happen against women as children, rapes, sexual assaults, violence. That those, those are our crimes often perpetrated against women and against children. And I heard a text here this morning when, when I was listening to Pat Kenny and he said, well, the guards couldn't be expected to react to that sighting with a woman in a big way because in the words of the texter, it may simply have been a lover's quarrel. And to be honest, I'm not sure I have ever heard violence against women minimised in such a crystal clear way before. But I think it was probably a feature, how we view violence against women was probably a feature of why there wasn't roadblocks and things, because maybe people did think, oh, it's a domestic, and somehow we turn a blind eye to that in some way, and, and of course, therefore, don't offer help to women in those positions. At 11pm on the night of Justine's disappearance, Gardi arrived at the Valdez residence to build an investigation team and conduct a search party for the first thing on Sunday morning, the 20th of May. On the 20th of May, the Sunday morning, the Gardi went to the location where the lady witness had seen a strange man bundling a girl into his jeep. As they searched thoroughly around the area, they found and picked up Justine's phone, all smashed up, and a shopping bag with a loaf of bread inside it. This was a very worrying find indeed. Now Gardie believed at this stage that Justine could be in serious danger. They feared for the worst. Helicopters and patrol cars were dispatched imminently and carried out a full search to find her, but they had no luck. But however, the Gardie at 4pm found and got a break in the case. After trawling through a lot of CCTV footage in the locality, they were able to identify the man driving the Nissan Jeep. His name was Mark Hennessy. Now, Paul, central to the investigation tonight appears to be this Nissan Qashqai 171D20419. What are Gardie saying to the public in terms of how they may be able to assist the Gardie and what they should do if they see this vehicle? 
Well, they have received uh, a lot of reports uh, from the public in relation to this car uh, and in relation to uh, the registration of the car. Uh, they have identified the driver. They know who he is. They know who they're looking for. Uh, the superintendent said they want to talk to that man uh, uh, to rule him out of their inquiries if necessary. They haven't been able to contact him. They have identified the registered address, uh, but they still haven't spoken to him. They have his identity. Uh, but this is a major search, uh, and there have been quite distressing reports that the Gardaí have received. Uh, a woman and uh, her teenage children reported to the Gardaí that they saw uh, a woman being bundled into a, a dark Nissan Qashqai. And then they got a subsequent report later on yesterday evening from a man who said he had seen a woman in distress in a car at a different location. So they are very much concerned for the safety of Justine, uh, Justine Valdez tonight. Investigators went to Hennessy's home as this was the address that the car was registered to at the time. Mark was 40 years old and a married father with two little girls. It all seemed like he was a typical, happily married man. He was a construction worker and was originally from Ballybrack, South County, Dublin. Their youngest daughter was only born the previous September in 2017. This was the reason why he bought this black Nissan Qashqai Jeep, which was the main line of inquiry for the Gardaí. An eerie video can be seen of Mark buying this car and praising himself with his fancy new purchase. I will link it in the episode details below. Detectives had a conversation with his wife Nicole. She explained to the guards that she last saw Mark on the Saturday, the same afternoon of Justine's disappearance. She said he went to work at around 7.30am in Dunleary to work on building the National Rehabilitation Hospital. He took the jeep with him. She said that he returned home at about 3.15pm, then he left again with the vehicle at around 5.25pm in the evening. He told Nicole that he was going for a few points with his cousin to watch a football match, but she had not seen him since then. She had no idea where her husband was. After talking with the guardie, she texted him saying that they were looking for him, but she got no reply back. The guardie then went to the local pub where Mark was last seen to ask some more questions, and it was later established that Mark had been there on the Saturday evening, but he initially just stayed there for around 10 minutes and watched some football and then left again. CCTV showed him leaving the pub at 5.41pm and walking out to the car park where his jeep was parked. He appeared to be talking on the phone at the time and left in his car two minutes later. Half an hour after that, he was driving behind the 185 bus that Justine was on. CCTV footage from the bus confirmed this. When the investigators identified Mark as the prime suspect in Justine's abduction on the Sunday, his own family and friends helped search for him and they were very cooperative and they were shell-shocked as to why the investigators would think Mark could have done this. The Gardaí also held a national press conference to ask the public for any help and to report any sightings of Mark or the dark Nissan Qashqai. On the Sunday night at around 8pm, an observant woman who had just watched the national press conference on the news saw the Qashqai that the investigators were actively looking for and she bravely followed it until the jeep parked into the Cherrywood Business Park.
She called the Gardie straight away, and they quickly arrived. At the scene, the investigators found Mark sitting in the driver's seat of his jeep. They were shocked to see that he was covered in blood. The blood was his own. He managed to cut himself with a Stanley knife. In a standoff with police, the police fired at him. A bullet ricocheted off his shoulder and killed him stone dead. And then he was transferred to Lachlanstown Hospital for an inquest to be held later. The detective who fatally shot Mark Hennessy told an inquest into his death that he believed Justine Valdez was in the car with Hennessy and he was about to slit her throat. The detective said he discharged his weapon to stop Mark Hennessy. Quote, I could see movement and the struggle. It was rapidly evolving. I believed he was about to slit her throat and in that split second I had no other option. There was absolutely nothing else I could have done. He was non-compliant to all of our demands and she was at imminent risk of death, he said. Quote, the behaviour, he looked like a person possessed. His eyes, I will never forget it, he said. The detective at the time of the abduction and shooting was off duty on the May the 20th, 2018, but joined the search for the missing 24-year-old student who had been violently abducted from Enniskerry County Wicklow the previous day. From a radio call, the investigator was informed a member of the public was following Mark Hennessy and there was a second occupant in the car. Hennessy drove into Cherrywood Business Park. Gardy drove into the car park and stopped directly in front of the Nissan. Mark Hennessy was driving. Quote, he looked straight at me. He looked like a man possessed. He held the knife at the window and pointed out at me. I was aware he used violence in the abduction and I was concerned for Justine's safety, Garda A said. Quote, I blocked the Nissan to the front and another unmarked car blocked it to the rear. I put out an urgent assistance request. Mark Hennessy was moving around in the front of the vehicle in a very agitated state. He was struggling with someone in the front passenger stepwell as well, Garda A told the court. Quote, I shouted at him, armed police, drop the fucking knife. I shouted this a number of times, he said. He also said I took up position and began drawing my weapon from the holster. The detective said he was satisfied that Justine was in the car, given the information received and his assessment of the situation. After they shot at him, the guards looked in the jeep, but Justine was not in there. All they could find was a heavily blood-stained note in the car. It was extremely difficult to make out, but detectives saw the words sorry and Puck's Castle. This led police, or Gardie, to search the area. The next day, on the 21st of May, Justine's body was found in a dense woodland area in South Dublin. She was pronounced dead at the scene. The official cause of death was asphyxia due to manual strangulation. It was believed that Justine was killed on the Saturday night. There was evidence of bruising and abrasion to the genitals and a toxicology report found evidence of a small amount of cocaine ingested within a couple of hours of death. The cocaine was found in very low levels and it could not be determined how it had gotten into her system in the first place. 
Post-mortem examination on the body of Justine Valdez has confirmed that she was strangled. Gorthy say a note left in a car used in the abduction of the student led to the discovery of the woman's body in South County Dublin yesterday. The note also expressed remorse. Our crime correspondent Paul Reynolds now reports. The search for evidence continued all day today on land beside the disused golf course in Rathmichael in South County Dublin, the place where the body of Justine Valdez was found. The 24-year-old Filipino student was murdered and her body concealed after she was attacked and bundled into a car as she was walking to her home in Enniskerry on Saturday evening. Gardi say within 10 minutes of receiving a call about the abduction, the Garda helicopter was in the air and three patrol cars were searching for a woman. However, it's believed Justine was strangled within three quarters of an hour of having been taken. She was then dragged through here, her purse, identification card and sock falling off, en route to the dense gorse where her body was found. Justine came to Ireland three years ago to join her parents, who had been living here for almost 20 years and were working and living in Wicklow. Absolutely devastating. I mean, you know, I have a daughter of similar age, I'm Irish, and I really feel it very, very, very deeply. I'm sure everybody else does. So, you know, for the family themselves, I just don't understand how they could deal with it. You know, their only child, it's, it's just, just quite tragic. Garthy are now conducting a murder investigation, but with the only suspect now dead, the file being prepared will most likely be for the coroner's court rather than the central criminal court. Forensic psychologist Patrick Randall said Hennessy's behaviour on the evening of the murder indicated a chaotic and disturbed state of mind and an absence of strategic planning. Quote, One thing that is striking is the number of witnesses, says Randall. On the evening of the abduction and murder, witnesses, including a 12-year-old boy, reported seeing a woman being punched by a male and then forced in the car along the Kilcrony Road. Quote, this was not well planned or orchestrated, said Randall. There was no regard for the fact there were so many people around who could see what was happening. It seems that he was driven by a frenzy where the red mist had descended and the primitive brain had taken over. After grabbing Justine in Ennis Kerry, Hennessy may have panicked and strangled her sooner than he had planned in order to stop her from drawing attention to the car. The forensic psychologist stated also that random killings of women such as that carried out by Hennessy on that weekend are extremely rare. It is no comfort to know that nearly 90% of the 216 women who have died violently in Ireland since 96 knew their killers and over half of the perpetrators are partners or ex-partners. No direct connection was found between Mark and Justine. Of course he may have seen her working in the cafe restaurant where she worked part-time or walking down the road where she got off the bus but there had been no contact between them and it appeared to be completely random. So what had led a married father of two little girls to violently end the life of a hard-working young woman who was devoted to and loved by her parents. It appeared that Mark had a sinister secret side than the one most people knew about. Hennessy was known to the Gardaí but was not considered to be a dangerous criminal or a threat to society. 
He was on bail at the time of the murder, having been charged with drink driving and crashing into other vehicles and leaving the scene. Locals knew Hennessy described him as being somewhat of a creepy character around women, especially after he had been drinking a lot. Hennessy also has been convicted of abusive behaviour in the past, while also being intoxicated in a public place and being in the possession of cannabis in the late 90s. A source in Bray County Wicklow told the Irish Mirror that three weeks ago, before the murder, Hennessy, in a drunk and drugged up state, tried to break into a house in the Sugarloaf Estate in County Wicklow. Quote, he was banging on the door and the house had an 18-year-old girl in there by herself. She called her boyfriend who came to the scene and chased him away. He followed him but he was running like a roadrunner. He was super fast. He followed him to his house in Woodbrook Lawn about a kilometre away. The guards met him there and spoke to him. They were happy enough that he was just at the wrong house but he was wired and completely crazed. While the charges may seem not to be so serious in the context of the violent crime he went on to commit, it was a telltale sign that his psychological behaviour was becoming more erratic in the recent months leading up to the murder. Mark was said to have had a serious drink and alcohol problem. It was revealed that he had been thrown out and barred from at least one pub on the Bray Seafront over the Maybank holiday weekend in 2018. There are various reports that he had a drug dealer on speed dial and was looking to buy around €200 worth of cocaine after the murder. This definitely suggests that he may have used the drug frequently. It was alleged that he consumed a lot of cocaine, which may explain why trace cocaine was found in Justine's system. His marriage was ending and he was in debt, so his life was spiralling out of control. He had started trying to pick up women in pubs and even joined dating apps such as Tinder. It was theorised he may have contacted Justine through this app, but nothing was confirmed of this. In the reports in the aftermath of the murder, neighbours described the murderer as quiet and a bit of a weirdo, an obliging neighbour, and most inappropriately perhaps a normal dad. One resident said, I didn't really know him, he kept to himself most of the time. Quote, when I heard the name, I didn't even realise he lived just a few doors away. He was very polite, kept to himself, and there was never any indication of any trouble or anything like that. But now, as we know, there was nothing normal about Mark Hennessy whatsoever. But it is now feared Accountancy student Justine, strangled by Hennessy, within 45 minutes of being snatched, may be one of up to 11 victims. After the murder investigation of Justine was closing up, Gardy were hunting for links between the killer, now labelled the Beast of Bray, and an infamous number of disappearances of eight women in the same area of Ireland known as Ireland's Vanishing Triangle. There are also further two unsolved cases within the area of being reinvestigated by detectives to see if they can find any links to Hennessy. And experts fear Hennessy's method of killing Justine means it is very unlikely that this was his first attack. Forensic psychologist Professor Mike Berry of Ireland's Royal College of Surgeons said 
The fact he strangled her indicates to me that he's done this before. Quote, he's tried out previous situations. Maybe not killed somebody, but he certainly grabbed hold of a female and tried to sexually assault her. Quote, I'd have thought he'd practiced it several times because you don't normally expect somebody to kill by strangulation, which is a very personal way of killing somebody. Normally they'd have attacked somebody with a blunt instrument or something of that nature. But the parallels between the triangle cases and Justine's death are scarily similar. Each woman was young, each disappeared out of nowhere, and each, like her, went missing in the triangle, somewhat matching the shape of the province of Leinster in Eastern Ireland. One even disappeared soon after being seen in Justine's village. These women all went mysteriously missing between the years 93 and 98, as they went about their daily lives and their cases are etched into the Irish people's consciousness because all of the disappearances happened over such a short period of time and no bodies have ever been found. As well as checking for links between Hennessy and the eight women, Annie McCarrick, Eva Brennan, Imelda Keenan, Jojo Dollard, Fiona Pender, Fiona Sinnott, Kira Breen and Deirdre Jacob, his DNA profile will also be checked against evidence collected in the murder of Renaud Murray in Glenagiri, south of Dublin. Sadly, no confirmation of the link has been made into these disappearances. But for whatever reason that day, the 19th of May, Mark made a decision to take Justine as she innocently walked home carrying the bread she had bought for her mother. This all happened on the streets where cars were driving by and in the middle of daylight. Justine's parents will never be able to move on from the horrific evil that entered all of their lives that day. Justine was deeply loved by them and her wider family in the Philippines. We will never have the full details of what happened that day, as Mark is dead, but we do know that Justine, a woman who spent her time caring for others, was brutally murdered by an evil man who she did not even know. Danilo and Teresita Valdez said in a statement following an inquest into their only child's brutal death that our tears will never stop when we think of our beautiful Justine. Quote, we miss her so much it is hard to bear. Nearly a year and a half after their daughter was murdered, the couple said at the Dublin Coroner's Court that we will never know why this happened. We will never understand how such evil can exist in the world. Our grief will never pass. The loss of our beautiful Justine will never fade. We will never have peace. Justine was our life and when she was taken away our world ended. We try to smile but in our hearts we are still crying. It was reported that Justine was dating a man named Joseph since November 2017 and in his deposition he described her as happy, active and innocent. Quote, she always looked happy, active, she never got up to any mischief, she never took drugs and she was way too innocent for that. She was literally the most innocent person I have ever met in my life and I will never forget her, he said. The jury returned a verdict of unlawful killing. Coroner Dr Myra Cullinan described Justine's death as thoroughly shocking and commended the parents' dignity in their loss. 
The coroner was quoted saying, "The image of that beautiful young woman remains with us. It is inconceivable how her parents can bear the loss of their only child. We've had a glimpse of the person that Justine was, and it is tragic that she has been so cruelly taken in this way." Two families' lives were turned upside down by the abduction and killing of Justine. An inquest into her killer's death has heard. Quote, this has been a most difficult inquest for those centrally involved and for the Hennessy family. The tragic events that unfolded over a period of a little more than 48 hours in May 2018 were exceptional and unusual in society, the coroner said. The public were very moved by the plight of Justine Valdez. The outcome has meant that two families' lives were changed irreparably. She commended brave acts on behalf of the public and first responders, sadly without the desired outcome. The Hennessy family do not believe there was any ill will involved in the shooting of Mark Hennessy, the inquest heard. Dermot Hickey, solicitor for the family, said on Thursday, in relation to Detective Garda A, the family are of the view that his view was reasonably held and that there was no malice in this situation. Quote, the family wish to express their gratitude to the jury and all parties involved in this investigation, criminal and civil. The jury returned a narrative verdict and issued a number of recommendations, including the establishment of one central communications radio channel for Gardaí in emergency situations. Members of the Hennessy family were present in Dublin's coroner's court for the duration of the inquest, which concluded after three days of evidence. Family members met Hennessy in a car park in Killiney at 3.31pm on the day he died. He was alone in the car and the family passed this information to Gardaí. Mr Hickey asked Gardaí Shiacona on Budsman Commission, Senior Investigator Nicholas Harden, if this information had been relayed to Gardaí, who attended the scene of the shooting at the Cherrywood Business Park at 8pm. Quote, I was aware of that interaction with the relative, four and a half hours preceding the incident, but by the time the Cherrywood incident happened, the situation could have changed, Mr Harden said. A jury member asked if there was any Garda in charge at the scene of the shooting of Mr Hennessy. Mr Harden replied that in a highly stressful, dynamic situation as this was, the aim was to get the job done. There wasn't time to sort out who was in charge. The inquest heard that a post-incident manager position is to be created to deal with fatal firearm incidents involving Gardaí, to act as a conduit between GSOC and the Garda officer involved. The post-incident manager will be a member of the Angarda Shukona. The jury endorsed this development as part of their recommendations. Mr Harden said, the system is not in place yet, but is operating very well in the UK and will be adopted here soon. The wife of the killer has reportedly now left Ireland for good to start her life over. She is understandably said to be very saddened and is with her family in Wales along with her two infant children. After the shocking kidnap and murder of Justine, a source said she had no idea that her husband was capable of the horrific crime he committed.
There had been a steady decline in their marriage because of Hennessy's drinking and drug taking. Quote, her world literally fell asunder when she was told of what he did and she was just left completely devastated. Her priority now is to rebuild the lives of her two children. She cannot bear to bring them up in the country where this tragedy happened. A specialist Gardi team helped his wife to try and deal with the trauma of the event, but sources have said that the grief was just too much and that she decided to leave Ireland. Quote, there was a dedicated group of Gardi who were helping the family, but the wife just felt that she needed to get out of Ireland and she needed to leave. There are so many victims in this case, and he has affected dozens of people. Justine is now buried in her hometown of Ariteo, Nueva Vizcaya, in the northern part of the Philippines. If you would like to offer your support or report violent crimes against women, you can contact Women's Aid on 1800 341 900. They are open 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. I hope this episode helps shed light on how we can help prevent violence against women and stop Asian hate. You can also reach out to Outreach Ireland, which is a group of volunteers who help facilitate the Philippine Embassy outreach missions in Ireland and Philippine-related events. It also assists individuals in distress through its Assistance to National programme on a case-by-case basis. Volunteers contribute their time, skills and resources as needed on a temporary basis, without a set of officers. Outreach Ireland is a mixture of non-affiliated individuals and members of different community groups. Outreach Ireland is open to all who are interested to help. Outreach have raised money for Justine's parents through the platform GoFundMe. Over 4,650 people contributed to the fund, which was set up in Justine's name. In addition to donations sent by the public, a private trust donated €2,500 to the family. All subsequent donations will be transferred straight to the parents' bank account. Outreach Ireland is a non-profit organisation that raised the money and presented a detailed report of the initiative to the Philippine Embassy in London. They continue to assist the Valdez couple who are back in Ireland to start anew. If you have any interest in helping out the Valdez family, you can contact info at outreachireland.com or you can visit the website outreachireland.com and there is a tab specially for the Valdez Memorial Fund and you can find the GoFundMe page there and I will also link it in the details below. I'm your host Francesca Hayes and thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode and I'll see you back in